going away from the normal format a little bit for this one. Just that we're not going to do the articles, and we're going to do some tales of yore. Both Y O R E and Y O U R I. Welcome to Bruce Tuesday Podcast Episode. 516. I'm Sam Ginsburg, and here is my father and yours, Mitch Ginsburg. Uh, hey there, Sam. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to you. We can usually we uh try to keep up the fiction that this is released on Tuesdays. Uh but, oh. but I but I feel like it's um appropriate for today's format for it to be for us to be honest with ourselves, today is, today is Father's Day. Well, like you said, you can edit anything out that I say that you don't want in there, so. I'm, I'm mostly just worried about, um, like, old-timey words that when you grew up were normal terms and now would be considered slurs. I, I think I can censor myself. Okay, cool. Tyler okay. hasn't, hasn't managed. It, we don't have Italian listeners. That is because they're of certain terminology that Tyler likes to use uh, for shock value. Anyway, uh, how about you tell me what you're drinking? Okay, so I'm drinking Fever Dream, which is a flying dog beer, the local beer. Although, I, I don't know if you know about this, but your mom told me that flying dog might be leaving Frederick. That can't be right. I I I haven't. She said she heard something about it, but I, I, know, I haven't researched it. No, I anyway, this. so Fever Dream is a mango habanero IPA. I might have had that. I have to check. Oh, yeah. I had this on episode 147. Can I still have it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be curious to see how your rating compares to mine. What did you do? You want to tell me what your rating is? I can't. I can't lead the witness. Oh, okay. You're right. By the way, uh, Flying Dog has been sold to the FX Matt Brewing Company and will cease production of its beer in Maryland this summer. That's, that's a real. That's a real bummer. Sacrilege. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. I I will say Frederick has about 15 new breweries. Oh yeah. It's. Absurd how many breweries there are in Frederick now. It's it's a good thing you warned me because I was just about to quit my job and start a brewery in Fredneck because I saw a, an opening in the market. But you're telling me it's already pretty saturated. Feels that way to me. Feels that way to me. So so to go old timey, it seems like there's as many breweries in Frederick as there used to be blockbusters. Have you heard of Blockbuster? I yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> you know you've taken me to Blockbuster. I I, I, I feel like like you're you're doing back in my day on you, but I feel like a back in my day for my kids is going to be, you know, when I first had Netflix, they mailed you <laughs> DVDs, and then I get to explain what a DVD is. <laughs> I know, I know. Well. You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about all the things that are, are different from your kids being kids to when I was a kid. And, and also maybe like what it was probably like for my parents when they were kids. It's, 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 a, a, it's amazing. A generation is a long time in terms of change. Oh, oh, speaking of which, am I, is this a good night hug? Good night, oh. phone. Sleep good. You want to wave night night to pop? Night night. Good night night. Have sweet dreams. Night night. Sure did. But... I said night night. Night he, he night night, night to you. You can't hear him because you don't have headphones on. Sorry, bud. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh. <laughs> God, she's cute as hell though, ain't she? Um. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
tell me a little bit about your beard, Dad. You told you told me the name and nothing else. I haven't tried it yet. Go, please do. I was waiting for the invitation. It's granted. You know, you you probably know that I don't really like IPAs. Yeah. Um. This one, it's actually uh, not bad. It's again, you know me, I like sweet. So it's a, it's, there's definitely some sweet to it. And the, the, mango, the mango, right? Yeah. And there's definitely heat, but not oppressive heat. So I, I thought it would be hotter. Because you, you, like, you like spicy, but not quite like I like spicy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I don't know if you remember, but years ago, when, before they had a lot of different breweries, um, some company produced this beer called Chili Beer, and every beer had uh, a hot pepper in it. Like, a, like in the bottle? Yeah, in the bottle. And it was a rage for about a week and a half. <laughs> I could not get a, I could not get a bottle of it. I really wanted to try it. When I got it, I actually kind of liked it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was uh. It had a lot of spice, so and it was good. It was good. It was, it's you know, again, if the if the theme of tonight's episode is how things have changed, um, you know, that was bef- that was when beer wasn't a big thing. You know, bef- I mean, when you were when you were a kid, you could get a Miller. You know, you can get a Bud. When I was a kid, yeah, I was drinking a lot of Miller, a lot of Bud. I know, I know. I tried to stop that, but then, and then you know, like Blue Moon was a huge thing because it was different, and then Stella Artois was in, you know, or, or Molson and Moosehead. They they seemed so exotic. I remember you telling me about the 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 crazy new beer you love, Yingling. <laughs> at one point, which is which is wild because they they always brag about being America's oldest brewery, and and I I imagine they were, but I think you know probably back then beer was much more localized. You know, like you couldn't you know to get a Canadian beer was a big deal. Um, so maybe Yingling you know didn't uh, was very popular around the places where it was brewed. I think it's from Pennsylvania, actually. I could yeah, but, but I'm talking about in Maryland because I didn't drink beer when I was young. Sure. I guess I was I wasn't saying your Philly days. I was just thinking Pennsylvania is not that far from Maryland. But I yeah. guess if it's that localized that you're not, it probably wasn't. It's probably had a 20 mile distribution radius or whatever. So why would you have? Yes, and I don't know that for a fact, but that's. That's kind of just my guess. Um, so, do you want me to rate the beer yet? Uh, we'll we'll rate at the end. Okay. Um, to make sure you know it has time to develop, especially I find with hot pepper beers, um, mm-hmm. some of them you get kind of bored of, and some of them the heat builds on you throughout, and it kind of gets kind of levels up and levels up and levels up. Yeah. I I don't think I've ever found a hot pepper beer where my review was this is too hot. But the ones that get closest are the ones where the first sip is kind of hot, and then by the end, it's really kind of the interest compiles. Uh, so I have a beer called Augustine. That I'm, I'm, this bottle is frustrating for me because I am not actually sure what the brewery is. Um, maybe it's Van Steenberg. I'm pretty sure this is a Belgian beer. Um, as in from Belgium, not Belgium style. This is a blonde ale that I can't find the ABV of. Oh man, this this label's a mess. I gotta I gotta look this up. Well, it's probably in French. If it's a Belgian beer, right? Well, it could be Flemish. Uh, yeah, Brewery Van Steenberg. The Belgian is seven percent. Mine is seven percent also. Cheers. I, I failed to mention that. 
So we'll have to see who can get drunk faster. Well, uh, I always start the show uh, with a small tumbler of bourbon. <laughs> so I think I might have a little bit of a lead. Got a head start. Yeah, but I have I, I don't drink that much, so I have no tolerance. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll both um, say the alphabet backwards then. Yeah, we good. So this beer, I think, is tasty. I generally am not a huge fan of blondes, just because I think there's often not that much to them. But I think those might be more of the American style blondes. American blondes are usually four and a half to five percent ABV and kind of like an ale version of a lager. Like, let's see how little flavor we can put into this and probably make it for as cheap as we possibly can. And this tastes like they actually bothered to do something. There's a nice multi character, a lot of a lot of like a wild yeasty type notes to it. I don't know if there's actually wild yeasty that the most of the flavor is coming from the yeast, which is um, which is fun and something that you don't get in a lot of beer, especially American beer. But um, in Belgium, it's pretty common. And, and at seven percent, it's a lot uh, a lot richer in that regard than most blondes that I have. Mm-hmm. So um, so far, so good. And when you were in Belgium, did you have similar beers? Can you can you remember? We had so much beer in Belgium. And I don't know if I had a beer under 11%. Oh, my gosh. Just because ev- everybody's got their own triple. Yeah. And those, those are usually super high in, in ABV. There's a, a place there uh, in Bruges called Degar. And I had, like, done a little bit of research in advance of the trip, and they were like, you got to get the Degar triple. So I found Degar, and, I mean, there's some language barrier stuff, but, like, most people, especially in Bruges, which is – pretty touristy. Most people speak English. Um, and I was like, can I have two Bruges triples? And the guy looked at me confused. And he was like, two of the house ale? And I was like, I guess. I, is, is, I guess it's the only beer they have, or at oh least it gosh. was at the time. It's just So people just go up and say two beers. <laughs> which is the type of thing you see in a movie. Like every time oh. someone goes to a bar and says, give me a beer, I'm always like, I always kind of roll my eyes. Like the bartender would be like, "We had six things on tap. Like, what? don't don't make my life harder." But like, I guess it's just all they had. They, like that and like charcuterie boards. And I was like, "I gotta move out here." And it's one of my favorite beers of all time. Really? And, yeah. and I had so many unbelievably good beers. And, uh, but I don't think I here? had anything quite this light. Sorry, say again. Can you get them here? That beer so, that you mentioned. Uh. We have two bottles of it in the house right now that are being saved for special occasions. I know what you're thinking. Sam, it's Father's Day, and two days ago was your anniversary. Why didn't you have it one of those days? Those are great questions, Dad. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> uh, but they, they do really limited distribution, so every time we see it, we get it, and then we have a habit of hoarding it, kind of just uh-huh. waiting for the perfect time to open it. Yes. And, and so your local beer store might have it? Uh, at like very limited times. And will they order it for you if you ask them to order it? I, I don't think they would because I don't think Degar exports that much. I think they kind oh. of have their ration for the year. This is what we're sending out. And the importers all want it because it's so good. And so what you get is what you get. Very interesting. Well, never been to Belgium. So. Well, Add it to list. your list. You, I mean, I know you love international travel. Yes. Yeah, it's on my, it's on my list. You know, unfortunately, we've been to the countries surrounding it. So, um, and usually when we do an international trip, we don't go to just one country. So you hit a few spots at once. Yes, but we've been to, you know, we've been to Holland, you know, Netherlands. I'm sorry, we've been to Netherlands. We've been to Germany. Um, you know, Italy, I mean, places around Belgium where you could do, oh, you know, why don't you do a Belgium and Germany trip to, you know, so. You could, you could do France and Belgium. Yes. Yeah. And we haven't been to France either. So we could, we could definitely do that. But I, I, I love the movie in Bruges. We, we did a tour that was based on the movie when we were there. 
they were like, these are the different spots. Like, remember someone gets shot in the back of the head here, that sort of thing. Wow. Um, but the, the main fun thing we did was, I don't know if you remember the scene where there's um, huge, big, fat Americans uh, that are going to climb. Um, yes. The, I don't remember the, the name of the spire. Um, yeah. And uh, Colin Farrell's character's like, guys shouldn't do that. It gets pretty tight in there. And they get really offended by it, but it gets really tight in there. We we climbed the whole thing. Like, that was, like, a thing we wanted to make sure we did. And we were so proud of ourselves because it's it's so much climbing up. And then you kind of are up there for ten minutes, and then it's so much climbing down. <laughs> and we were proud of ourselves for doing it. And then I noticed that the guy next to us was in flip-flops. And I was like, I guess this isn't so impressive after all. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad you have some good memories from that trip. It it was so stressful. I'm so I'm so bad at that type of travel, but I do have a lot of good. good. But uh, speaking of good memories, yeah. uh, we're format breaking a little bit today. I warned you about this ahead of time. Um, you've told me a number of stories of your youth, especially of uh, living in Philly. And I, I kind of was thinking about um, there was a time that I was probably like eight or ten, and we were visiting Mama and Papa, your parents, yes. uh, and you. I think you videotaped me asking your dad questions about what it was like in the depression, and I think that it, it was important to you to like make sure those memories were saved in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is me making an effort to save your memories in a podcast that no one listens to. <laughs> but you'll have. You'll yeah, have. and well, and if I ever want to come back to hear it, it'll yeah. be here. That's the idea. Yeah. And I and you you write letters to the girls. They each get a letter each month. And there's a little bit of uh, when I was growing up. You know, I think you there was a this is when I was growing up Halloween story. You mm-hmm. kind of contrast it with their Halloween experience. So there's a little bit of that in there. And so that'll be, that'll be our backup in case whatever server ends up posting right. every three dies. Right. Um, I forgot what I was going to say, but I, I will say that, um, my dad, your pop-up was a great storyteller and he had the, he just had the best stories and he, he also loved telling them. So he would get a kick out of it when, when we would ask him. So it wasn't just about the depression. You know, he, he worked on a, a postal train for a little while and carried a gun, you know, which is <laughs> totally, you know, not something you would expect from him. And I mean, a lot of the stories were about the depression, about how he and his friends would go steal potatoes. Stealing potatoes is my number one pop-up story. Yeah. Run down the hill, everybody grabs a potato, you run to the park, you light a fire, you grill it up. I love that. Yes, yes. And he he also he also told the story about this I I don't know, this is probably not politically correct, but somebody you would call a bum. You know, like the town drunk or something. Um <laughs> do town drunks still exist? I don't think so. I I think there's many, many more drunks all around the town. Whereas in the past, it was like one person was known. I guess it's like that uh, shitty saying, like, if you have a watch, you know what time it is. If you have two watches, you're never quite sure. If there's one town drunk, you have a town drunk. If there's 20 town drunks, you your town has a, has a drinking problem. <laughs> But he told a story about how they, they, he and his friends bought this guy. His name was Emmett. Bought him, and bought him a, a like a half gallon container of ice cream. And their entertainment that day was watching him eat all the ice cream, and then puke. Jesus! Like <laughs> that. That was how they entertained themselves that day. And what what is the cost of a half gallon of ice cream as compared to, I believe the term at the time was 
a trip to the Nickelodeon? <laughs> I, I can't answer that. I don't know, but, you know, I'm sure it was cheap. It was probably a nickel. Sure. And, and does, does, I guess the, the, the politically ter- correct term would be unhoused individual. That's what they would say now. Uh, Emmett, we can just call him by his name. Yeah. Owen, I guess. Uh, did Emmett know that he was like the butt of the joke and like that their goal was to make him throw up? I, I, I don't know. I never got that much into that story. I just thought it was funny. And the, and the place that he used to hang out, they called Emmett's Field, which is it's a, joke. It's a pun on Emmett's Field. Right, right. I, I didn't know if you would know that. So, you know, I mean, like, he, he, not that that's a great story, but it, 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 it somehow captures the time, you know, in, in, in a way that, like, a history book might not capture the time. I feel like we're, we're painting him in a negative light now, because we, because you know my favorite story is about him stealing. And then this story about him and Emmett, he doesn't come off so great. Do you, do you have a redeemer tale? Because he's, he was a good man. He was the best. He was the, so really the best man I've ever met in, in my 66 years of life. And not, not just because he was my dad. He was so, so kind, so gentle. He was just a sweet person. Um, but those stories are not that interesting. Right. You know, yeah. Like that he was working multiple jobs as a, is that a vacuum salesman, or is that a, a something I made up? He did not do that. He did. He did some door to door, didn't he? Okay, so so what he did, which I think is amazing, um, the more I think about it, is you know he worked he worked a regular job. He was a pharmaceutical salesman, but you know he grew up in the depression, so money was always an issue. I don't think he made a ton ton of money as a salesman. So on Saturdays, he found he found this guy who was a distributor of food goods, you know, almost like a Costco is now. We had nothing like Costco, but, but wholesale type stuff. Yeah. So you would go in and you would see boxes of pretzels piled up and, and you know, huge boxes of candy bars and, and whatnot. So what he did was he went to this guy. His name was Juren. I remember his name was Juren. He went to him and he asked him if he could develop a route where he would sell that stuff, pretzels, potato chips, candy, door to door. So this guy Juren didn't care because he was just wanting to sell his product. So, so my dad went to an area of Philadelphia, which was not a good area of Philadelphia. Um, but he knocked on people's doors. He said, I'm, I'm looking to provide this service. Would you be interested in me coming to your house and, you know, selling you this kind of stuff? Um, and he had a whole route. He developed his own route. I would go. I went with him a number of times to sell, like to help all material. Yeah, yeah. I would knock on doors. I remember potato chips were ninety cents, and for a big canister of potato chips, I remember knocking on the door, and you know, some lady answered, and I was like, you know, it's the pretzel man, and and. You know, so I, I said, here's these potato chips. And she said to me, well, how much, how much are they? And I, I didn't know. So I, I had seen people handing my dad dollars. So I said, that's a dollar. Um, and, and then she gave me, she gave me a look and my dad was kind of behind me. He said, no, no, it's, it's 90 cents. So, but it's weird that I have that memory of giving her the wrong price. Um, Very specific. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was very interesting. It's you know, it's not the kind of thing that people do. I don't think. It, it's interesting to me. I think I I've heard that before. Like I I only half remembered it, obviously, because I thought it was vacuums. Because I think that's just like a trope in media now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I remembered him doing door to door stuff, and I think the last time I heard that story, I thought, "Wow, that's a man who busted his ass." And but now that I have uh, two children, my 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 heart is there for my mom, who yeah. on Saturday has to watch her three kids who were probably assholes, while her I mean like obviously pop up was was doing a good thing, but if I'm in her head, I'm thinking, oh, now I'm outnumbered three to one instead of three to two. Yeah. Well, I understand what you're saying, but parenting was different back then. Right? I mean, we were a little older than right. than your kids, but we watched ourselves. You know, um, you know, like when I thought about stories to tell you about my childhood, it it, it we were free range kids. You, you know that term, right? Is that the same as a latchkey kid? It's different. No. Oh. A free-range kid was like, you, Mom, I'm heading out. And you would go outside and you would wander the neighborhood. I mean, with a purpose, always. Like, there was a store, like, three blocks away. You know, I was probably six or seven and walking to the store by myself to buy baseball cards. There, there was baseball cards probably with money you swipe from your dad's uh, dresser. I didn't do I that mean, until later. That was for the arcade. That was for my pinball habit, yeah. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I should let you tell your own story. No, that's okay. No. And so, and, you know, there was a playground that was like six blocks away, you know, half a mile, I'm guessing. I would walk to the playground by myself all the time. And again, you know, I was probably six or seven. Kids did that. You know, kid, we didn't, we weren't monitored in the same way that we monitor kids now. I'm, and I'm talking about you. I think when you were little, we monitored you the same way you monitor your little ones. But, um, you know, and, and people now, they've got, They've gotten in trouble for letting their kids roam. But back then, it was like, that's just how people lived. Go, I, I guess maybe it just felt safer back then. It makes you wonder if it, if it was safer or if just people didn't know what was happening. Just because, like, media wasn't so broadly available. Right, right. In my mind, it was safer. I don't know. I mean, whenever I did it, something like I mean, it was never even stared or anything like that. Right? I, I, I got to tell you, a, a seven-year-old boy's memory at sixty-six is not the most reliable of narrators. No, I remember that stuff better than I remember what I had for dinner last night. I, I remember. I remember once this kid who had just moved into the neighborhood, was riding his bike around. He was about four blocks away from his house, and he saw me outside playing. He was about my age, and he was like, hey, I'm new in the neighborhood. You want to be friends? And, you know, I, it's just not something that would happen nowadays. So, so to get back to my original point was, I, I don't think my mom took such an active role as protector. She just and, was turning you and your sisters loose. Yeah. And hoping for the best. She'd be cleaning the house. And we would be out doing our thing. So, and I know your thing was usually pick up sports. Yes. I I, I mean, I, obviously I didn't grow up with Aunt Sheila and Aunt Bonnie. I can kind of picture Sheila Doing some tomboy sports stuff, I cannot picture Bonnie doing. 
What, no, what were I, they doing? What around? were they doing? I got no idea. You were your mind was just on what you were up to. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, you know, I was the youngest. I was doted on, and I, I was just really very self-involved. So, be a good question to ask my sister sometime if, when you see them. But I, I had no idea what they were doing. But where where we lived was a a, a row house. I, I think I told you this before. But the listener, though, the theoretical listener. Yeah. So um, the way row houses work is basically all these houses are attached to one another. So we lived at 7920 Rugby Street. And but the 7900 block of Rugby Street started at 7900 and ended at 7980. So what that means is there were 40 houses all attached to one another. Sorry to get all combinatorics on you, Dad, but that's 41 houses. Oh, okay. Um, Across the street, see, we were 7920. Across the street was 7921. So all the odd numbers were across the street, all the even numbers. There was a street, you know, a regular street in between us. But then, if you look at our back window, there was the same row of houses with what we call a big driveway in between. So, you know, you would drive your car up all the way up until you reached your house and then pull into your house. So we backed up to a whole other set of row of houses. And that was our play area. So we would play between the rows of houses. Um, and you're calling them driveways, but these are essentially alleys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially alleys, but alley has the connotation of being kind of narrow. This was big enough for a car to go down sure. easily. Um, but, um, yeah. So so that's where we would play. You know, we had postage stamp-sized lawns, very small lawns. And, um, you know, I think all these houses were built, you know, like post-World War II because, you know, the baby boom was happening and people needed housing. So they weren't beautiful houses. They weren't houses with, char- with character. But... Uh, you know, I have very fond memories of that. We were I mean, run, run down the sports because I know there's it's it's just different bastardized versions of baseball. Is most of what you were up to. Yeah. So, so um, the one thing that was necessary for almost all the sports was uh, a rubber ball that was hollow inside. So there were two types of rubber balls. There was a pinky and there was a pimple ball. The pimple ball had like raised um, circles on it. So that's what we called it, a pimple ball. Um, So with those balls, we would play stickball. Okay, so we would play stickball in our backyard, you know, going from house across the driveway to the other house and like if if you um if you hit the garage on the other side on a fly it was a double and if you hit between like the phone wire and the electric wire which were against the houses it was a triple and if you hit it above the top wire or on the roof it was a home run i can't believe you suppressed your accent telling a Philly story. What's that now? You you hit it up. You're talking about Philly. Think you're being Philly. You hit it up on the what? On the roof. Now, That's Dad. We, am I supposed to say you, rough? You always said rough. What, well, I mean, your accent always came out when you were mad at me. So it was always Sam, go to your room. But <laughs> but rough came out too sometimes. So I was, I was shocked that you... 
That's funny. You're so Marylandized. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I, I apologize to all the Philadelphia listeners, right? Theoretical Philadelphia listeners. Yes. So, so the best day of the year was when someone came, when somebody had their roof patched. Because there could be 25 balls. Oh, and, and they're just, they're throwing them down into the driveway. Yes. We would be like, hey, mister, get me those balls. And, you know, because we wouldn't play at the same place all the time. So they would be all the way up and down the road. Oh. Be balls awesome. on the roof. So, so anyway, so stickball was the primary thing. We also would play handball. Handball was the same as, as stickball in terms of where you landed the ball, except you would take the pinky ball and you would throw it up and you would hit it with your hand. You're, you're for our audio-only yes. listeners, like a back yes. fist. Yeah, 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 with your fist. So then sometimes the pinky balls would, um, they had seams. They would rip in half. So then we would play a game called half ball. Um, and half ball, the ball is thrown kind of like a frisbee. So you throw it, and it you know it, go, it rotates around, and then it always cur- it curves down in. So so half ball again, same rules as stick ball. Um, but I, I will tell you my earliest, probably my earliest memory of playing any of those games was playing half ball. And I, again, was young, maybe like six or seven. And the big kids let us play with them, which was not a common thing. There must not have been enough of the big kids to play. And I remember hitting a home run. And this, I mean, the people being very surprised that this little kid hit this home run. But then this one guy named Bruce, he said, that's really good. Especially since you're, you have your hands crossed. So I was left-handed, but I was holding the bat as if I was a right-handed batter. I'm, now I'm just like doing the exercise of swinging it with my, with my right hand on top. Yeah. It, it feels it's, very it's so weird. unnatural. Yes. That, that's how I know I was really young because he was the one who told me how to hand, how to, the right way to hold a bat. If you're left-handed, you you owe him your whole college softball career. Everything. Yeah, you, I know. I, I'm sure in your MVP speech for your intramural league, you <laughs> name-checked him. Absolutely, absolutely. So then, then I'll just tell you some other games we played. We would play a game called wire ball. So for wire ball, there were these electrical wires that would were strung, um, you know, across the houses, and your goal was to hit the wire with the ball. Um, but they were really high, so um, high and kind of free they, – they were like freestanding. So it was really hard to do. And this you is hit, this is not with a bat. This is thrown? Yeah, thrown. So um, the idea was if you threw it, you threw it as hard as you could, if – the guy caught it on a fly. If it didn't hit the wire and the guy caught it on a fly, it was two outs. It's like a double play. If he caught it and it bounced once, no, if you threw it, bounced once and he caught it, it was an out. But if he hit the wire, it was like a home run. So, so a variation of that was something called light ball that we used to play. Wait, oh, I, I have a follow up about wire ball. Okay. How how big are the teams? Is it, are there are there eight fielders trying to catch on a one hop, or is it? Could you play this game one v one? Yeah, yeah. It was more one v one or two v two. I guess for if a bunch of people didn't show up to the alley that day, ah, uh, exactly. we'll play wire ball. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Now I have, I have a better picture in my head. Tell me about light light so ball. That can't light, be right. Yeah, light ball. That was. The, that was a little bit of a delinquent thing that we did where basically we'd do it at night and 
same idea as Wireball, except what you tried to do is hit the street light. So, you know, if you hit the street light, it would bounce off funny, and you couldn't, it would be really impossible to catch it on a fly, so you would always score runs if it hit, if it hit the light. So, I think we busted a couple street lights doing that. You know, and then everybody. But just with a rubber ball, though? Yeah. That doesn't seem like it should be busted lights. If you hit it right. Um, so, so those were, those were the, the, the pinky ball, pinball ball games. But then we used to play like basketball where there would be, oh, oh, it's it's so hard to explain, but there was like a, a telephone wire or an electric wire that was like five feet away from the the house above the garage. So, but not this is there's no hoop. Not a hoop, but it would go all the way across the house and the drop and the person's driveway. Um, so we would play basketball with a, a small ball and throw it, and the idea was to get it in between the wire and the house. So you could do it anywhere along where the house ran. So it's like if. A basketball hoop uh, was the same depth, but thirty feet wide or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. It seems impossible to play defense against uh, a hoop that wide. Uh yeah, but it was hard. It was a pretty hard shot to make. Um, so anyway, we would play football. You know, but we never played tackle football. We never played organized anything. I mean, on concrete, you can't play tackle football. Someone's going to die. Right. Yeah, we were playing on concrete. And we would either play on that long driveway or we would play on the street. And, you know, just try to move out of the way when a car came. I think we were huge nuisances. You know, we stopped Did you think the neighborhood parents all hated you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. We would... We would be playing stickball at somebody's house, and basically, you're throwing the ball and you're hitting their garage door, throwing the ball and hitting their garage door, and throwing again and again and again and again and again. It would drive people nuts. So you wouldn't use the garage door of one of the kids' houses. We would until their parents chased us away. Then we'd go to somebody else's house, and we would. And that's why there's balls on every roof in town. (laughs) Yeah, we would look for people who were away that day. Um, It's very considerate of you. (laughs) Well, we didn't want to annoy them with the noise. So, no, we might start a game in one place and play like four other places before the game was done. And how did you decide on a game? Was there a ringleader? Or was it very democratic? That's a good question. You know, I don't really remember. It was like, okay, we're playing this. I, but I, I, you know, there was there were two cohorts. There, I was in the younger cohort of um, like four four boys. There was an older cohort, which was like three or four years older of like eight boys. So I don't remember, but my guess is that they you, picked and you did what they yeah, said. So they wouldn't yeah, beat you up. You, whatever you tell me. And there's all these different games. Was there just like crazy Keith comes up with all the games or did you just inherit all of these because you were the younger cohort and not even think that like someone had to make up the rules to wire ball and right. they didn't find it online. Right. Like someone invented it, and yeah. probably someone in your neighborhood. Probably, but I have no idea. Yeah, we inherited it. And I, I, I can't take any uh, creative credits on any of the games. So you know, I I loved making up games and overcomplicating games for no reason when I was growing up, and that yeah. has that has not ended since I left the home. Oh. Uh-huh. I just bastardized existing games instead of making my own mostly. 
But, like, I have some tweaks I would make to some of these. Uh, Mostly, don't play light ball. You guys play something else. But um, (laughs) it it wants it wants me to to interview this this character I've invented, Crazy Keith, who comes up with all the games. I like I want to know. I'm curious if it's you know because a lot of these they're similar to each other. Is it one guy's coming up with all the games, or is it someone comes up with the game and then they go off to college and their little cousin half remembers the game and now it's a new game or whatever? I I do, I do not know. It's it's kind of like that game I taught you, bottle caps. You know? I yeah I I love bottle caps. I've I've reminisced with Emily about bottle caps. Dozens of times to the point where I'm like, we could put one of the cars on the street for the summer, but no one's going to play bottle caps with me. The (laughs) the girls are too young and Emily's, you know, has self-respect. So no one's going to play. I could, I could play a solo game, you know. Um, Yeah. But, but I, it did make me wonder if I tried to Google the exact rules because I remember like 80%. I don't remember the exact layout of it. There's like, 14 boxes plus the death box, I think. But I could I could be off. It might, it, it might be 13, it might be 15, it might be 14. I, I don't remember in the death it, box. So. It, and exactly, and I would definitely lay it out all wrong. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, 14. So you just did a, a weird zigzag. If if I didn't have audio, I would have assumed you were trying to summon a demon from the nether realm just with your <laughs> gesticulations. I might have to get you to to map that out and MS okay. Paint for me, because I think there's a possibility that you are the last person who remembers how to play bottle caps, <laughs> and now I have this huge responsibility yeah. of continuing yeah. it on. Yeah, well, I'd be happy to do it. I'd be curious if you... Google bottle caps, if anything, bottle caps games, if anything would even come up. It seems it seems like a tough Google, but I'm I'll I'll do it live and we'll see if it's any good. So while you're doing that, I'll tell you another another thing that I I just thought of because I was talking to you about the roof and how it was really exciting uh, when when people would come to repair the roof. Um, sometimes the balls would go down the sewer. So you had some plumber friends too? We did have plumber friends, but we would take the manhole cover or whatever off of the sewer, and then we would get a really long hanger. And... With a with a little, um, we make a loop at the bottom of the hanger, and we would fish down into the sewer to pull the balls up that went into the sewer. That seems like you could have made this so much easier for yourselves with like a butterfly net or something. Like never thought about it. It almost like it sounds like a game. Like it would be hard, I think, to do this. It was. It was. And stinky, and and you're stopping traffic because there's four kids lying on their stomachs looking down a manhole cover all at once. I guess. Well, this was on this was along the sidewalk, but wasn't okay. in the middle of the street. So, so it's only yeah. pedestrians you were inconveniencing. Right, right. Those manhole covers were heavy as heck. I remember it would take at least two of us to get them off. And there's, I think there's like a specific rod of some kind that you're supposed to use to get those out that are like designed for these. But you I you were bare handing it, I have to assume? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So 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 getting balls out of the sewer and getting them off the roof, those were the highlights of my life. <laughs> the best days of my life. Very sad. But I do look back fond, very fondly on all that stuff. I I googled um, bottle cap game 
and I got, I mean, it's Google, so you get a billion hits. Yes. Um, apparently, there's a bottle cap drinking game that looks completely different from what yeah. you're talking about, but I think it's going to make Googling this harder. If yes. this is the if there's two different games called Bottle Caps and this one is more famous. Yes. Yeah, and who knows if it was called Bottle Caps. You know, maybe there's a maybe there's another name for it. You know, Dead Crazy Box. Keith Ball. <laughs> right. Something like that. Who knows? Who knows? Yes, but anyway, it was a it was a very different time. And I think we had a conversation when we, when just recently about organized sports and um, how I, I I feel a little bit like having our sports unorganized helped us learn skills of negotiation. Because there's no ref and yeah. no like actually defined field and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. I think it was, I, I don't know. I think it was a good way to learn social skills without, you know, parents saying, this is how you do it. You know, we did we did it on our own, figured it out. It's interesting you say that, because I had this kind of headcanon, like this version of myself that is probably me lying to myself a little bit. Like, you wanted to get me into sports when I was growing up. Yeah. Because it was, cause you, cause it was so big for you. Yes. And um, I was pretty small coming up, so... I played a few years of soccer, a few years of baseball, maybe one year of basketball, and I wanted to quit immediately because I was so bad at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the headcanon version I have for myself is at some point you gave up on me being an athlete. And that's when I picked up Ultimate Frisbee. And in my head, it's that you weren't pushing me for it. That's why I got into it. Right. I kind of have stayed with it for, for decades now. But maybe what got me into it is it was pickup games. Mm-hmm. There, there wasn't an ultimate Frisbee uh, rec league or anything like that. It was just like me and some high school friends half understanding the rules and half making up the rest. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And, and um, just so you know, from my perspective, I didn't give up on you in sports. It was more like I came to the realization that it was more important to me than it was to you. And it was only really important to me because it gave me so much joy as a kid. When I saw that it was not giving you the same kind of joy, it was easy to not push. But but I I think um, I, I feel a little bad for you because I, I think you you – you um you hit your growth spurt late, and so you couldn't compete with these people. Do you know who who had an early growth spurt and and it was organized sports, and you know you were told to bunt all the time, it made me so mad you know i was a, I was a fast little guy. And I liked trying to steal, and I could usually get on base bunting. Like, I know you wanted me to swing away, but I wanted to get on base right. because my favorite thing to do was, was to steal, and bunting was my best option. Right. But I just thought you're never going to really learn how to play a full game, you know, how to how to really play the game if all you're There's doing is – There's a pretty firm is, ceiling on that strategy, and it's yeah. 12 years old probably. Right, right. So, so that's another thing I don't like about organized sports. I think it really people get competitive early on, and it just weeds out people who might love the sport someday, but not at the age that they're being pressured to be good. I mean, I don't know if you remember, we would play wiffle ball and we would play stickball on the lawn, and. You seemed like you liked it then when yeah. we were doing that. So, and you had skills. So, if we had just done that, that probably would have been better. Who knows? It'll be interesting, you know, for 
for you and your girls to see how much you push them into not just sports, but any activity. So, I mean, I think uh, the, the most we've seen of that is um, in the basement, we have a, you know, tiny little basketball hoop. And uh, sometimes I let Space Prez get the dunk. And sometimes I smack that shit into the stands. Uh, and it's never as fun for her as it is for me. Like, she's not ready to play real one-on-one, even, like, in a pretend game yet. Right. But I, like, I'm still kind of trying to make sure she knows that, like, it's not always for free. <laughs> but it's a it's a tough balance. Because you, you never really let me win at sports. Uh, and I kind of think of that as something that made me a better competitor. But mm-hmm. I also look at, uh, at M's, yeah. uh, and I think, and she's kind of like opposed to games and sports largely. Yeah. And I do wonder if it's the type of thing where some people respond in a way that it's like, one well, need to be better for next time. And some people respond in a way that's, this isn't fun. I'm never doing it. Right. Right. Yeah, I think you're you're probably right about that. I didn't I, we didn't do sports with her. She had no interest. I mean, from an early early on, so it wasn't like I didn't let her win. It, it's not like I I because we just never played any games that that was an option. I mean, aside from like board games or card games, she didn't like those you, either. Yeah, I mean, you never let anyone win it. Right, board games either. Right. I, no, still, right. I still I still remember the first time I beat you at chess and I was fucking over the moon. I know. And, and I think that if I had done that at age six because you'd let me, it would really it would really pervert the memory. Yeah. But maybe I got a little lucky, but it's it wasn't that that you let me do it. I did it by myself. Right. That's like that's very cool. Right. And now you're better than me at everything. So hopefully that feels good, like in your face. I can tell you're wasted right now, and I'm not, because I'm better at drinking than you. No, I'm just enjoying talking to you. I don't. I'm just enjoying talking to you. Well, now you're making me feel like a dick, because I was going to pivot to the outro. To the what? To, to, we're, we're at about an hour, which is a standard episode. So we should stop. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. You know, we can do this in a different format, too. Do you this know what I mean? as two human beings communicating. Exactly. That's exactly. weird for me. That's weird for me. Well, I know. I know. I, I could put I, on a mask. <laughs> yeah, that'll help. I, I mean, really, like, this is my main way of staying in contact with Tyler. Like, I've logged... 500 hours talking to him on the internet over the yes. last 10 years, and maybe three hours talking to him not on a podcast. Right, right. Yes. It's, it's, it, it might just be that's what modern relationships are. It's every week's podcast. Maybe. Maybe. But I will tell you, I have a lot more stories. I do. Well, I don't tell them as good as Pop-Up, but I do have a lot of stories that, that might be interesting to you. I think that they would be. They're interesting to me. Well, I mean, first of all, Dad, we'll have a follow up to this. This will be this will be a mini series. This episode <laughs> one of a mini series. Okay. But the other thing is, no one's stopping you from talking into a microphone. Like you could just record yourself. Like if you really want to get the stories down. Yes. Uh, your only enemy is how bad you are at technology. Right. Right. Um, it feels... Masturbatory? Yeah. Like, I don't want to tell myself the stories. Do every you... every recording I do of Bjorn to be Wild, it feels masturbatory. Yeah. But I think, I think it's a greater good situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. To be continued. So you're going to... Are we gonna rate the beers? We gotta, we gonna... yeah, we gotta talk about our beers. I feel a little bad that you did so much of the talking that I'm afraid that your beer might still be full. 
Did no, you get no. some of it down? I did, yeah, absolutely. And it, it absolutely does get hotter as I drink it, which I kind of like. Tell, tell me more. I kind of like it, that, that I, I feel the burn a little bit. But I like the flavor a lot, and, and I like burn. You know, I, 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 like, I like to feel like burning. I like it when it tastes like burning. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like this beer. Which surprises me, because I did not expect it. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, if you were forced by threat of violence to rate it on a scale of one to ten, what what would you say? You know, I'm I'm a nonviolent person. I would probably just roll into a little fetal ball and try to avoid as much violence. But but if my son were to ask me, sure, be That's out another of- out of interest, um, and and what is the scale? Is it one to ten or one to five? One to ten. One to ten. I would give it a seven four. Seven, you are four. shitting me, Dad. I gave it a seven four when I when I had it eight years ago or whatever. That's a riot. That's wild. Very very funny. I'm sorry, Sam. You have. You have some of my genetic material, yeah. as much as we would both like that not to be the case. <laughs> uh, could you also, if possible, recommend this to a segment of the beer drinking population? You might like this beer if, yes, it's. If you're not a typical IPA lover, because IPAs tend to be on the bitter side, I think that. Um, you might want to give this one a try because the sweetness of the mango and the heat of uh, the pepper kind of, um, uh, what's the word? It, it counteracts the bitter. So, um, so I would recommend it to people who are not typically IPA drinkers who want to be a little, um, uh, adventurous. That that all the logic all hangs together. Every time you Google, what are some good food and beer pairings? There's always buffalo wings and an IPA, something along those lines. Something spicy and something hot. Mm-hmm. I think because of the that counterbalance thing you're talking about, like hoppy and spicy are both so violent. That mm-hmm. somehow it it all it all comes out in the wash and, and you kind of get the best of each. Yes. Yeah. So what uh, about you? What yeah, you? I had um, Brewers Van Steenberg. I'm sure anyone from Belgium is curious in me because I'm saying all this wrong. Uh, Augustine. This is their blonde ale. Uh, and my thoughts haven't really changed that much from the beginning. Um, it, it's a, a good punch of yeasty flavor. Uh, I'm noticing now gorgeous lacing as I took my time coming through this. Um, and I'm I'm moved by the spirit to also rate this a 7.4. Uh, and I would recommend this to someone who's heard how good Belgian ales are, but is worried that it might be too much kick for them. This is this I think would be great to bridge the gap the gap because it's extremely drinkable but still has a lot of that uh, malt yeast combo that makes Belgian so good. Sounds good. Sounds good. So um, before you do the outro or whatever it's called, let me just say um, I really love you a lot and I. Couldn't be more proud of you as my son. There's no one I'd rather have as my son. And um, I also think you're an awesome father. I loved watching you interact with your girls. I think you did. You're, you, you should be proud of yourself. You, you really are um, a natural. So you can cut that if you want. I was thinking, I, like, part of me has, like, I have to cut it because it's, it's uh, too sweet. 
but but also I don't know I might I might be in a bad mood a month from now and want to listen to someone saying some really nice shit about me. So maybe I'll leave it in just for my own benefit. Or put it in your soundboard. It's a little long for a soundboard. We'll put it on six soundboards. Well, let me give you a sample here. Wet, frothy nuts. <laughs> That's the type of thing I keep on the soundboard. Right. Yeah, I was kind of kidding, but... I still, I still have, and he's curious. Well, Tyler's dumb. No, Tyler's yeah, dumb. Tyler is so dumb. Wrong, you probably have heard about my tits. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with mom. <laughs> By the way, that was a that was a high point in our relationship. <laughs> she heard me say that. That's a great one to go out on, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll front down all the dumb stuff. Uh. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can comment at the on our links at com. You can't tweet at us because I deleted our Twitter like three months ago. Just fuck that place. Uh, and if you want to email us, it's brucetuesdaypodcast at gmail.com. Don't let the bastards keep you down, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Here comes the tears. Catch all your tears. Drink the remedy, forget about your problems Here comes the shot, lose all your thoughts Drink the remedy, forget about your problems This one's on me, fix you for free Drink the remedy, forget about everything This one's on me, got what you need And take your matters